This podcast is brought to you by MSW Nutrition. MSW Nutrition is a supplement line designed to help support your body in as many ways as possible, starting with the liver. By helping to repair liver health, you're supporting your body's biggest detox organ so that it can do its job taking care of the rest of you. We carry supplements to help with mood, stress, energy, weight loss, gut health, immunity, and much more. Any product carrying the MSW Nutrition label will be produced in an FDA-certified lab and contain the most bioavailable version of those nutrients possible. Make sure to check out our website at www.mswnutrition.com to see all the latest stacks to help you reach your health goals. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date with their events and programs. But, uh, welcome to the Hottie Health Podcast. It's Friday afternoon, Friday evening. I guess it's dark already because of the time change, right? It's happy hour. Um, it, yeah, it's healthy happy hour. Uh, we are going to be talking to CJ Finley today. He is the CEO of Thrive on Life, amongst many other things, I'm sure. And uh, he's a great person to work out with. I don't know if you've worked out with him yet. But, I don't think we have yet. But I've been doing those exercises you taught me, man. Dude, my abs are like constantly sore, but like, but I'm, but I'm getting that extra like pull on my climbing now. Uh, and, and so, uh, so, so it's fantastic. Of course, we got Nurse Doza here, and uh, we're going to be talking health and vitamins and all the great things. And we have some great plans for December. And I don't know what this is going to turn into anymore because uh, we're we're pretty excited about a lot of things. So let's get the party started. Do you work out more at Thrive or Squatch Gym? <laughs> um, I've been doing Squatch a lot more lately, only because actually, fun fact: every winter I take the Swiss gyms. Um, so I was already on the lookout. For looking for a gym. Uh, last winter, I was at Austin Boulder Project, yep. and this winter, I was looking into other things, and Squatch just happened to be right down the street from my house, which I think I'll stick with this one for life, um, but the reason I do that is I have a gym in my office, but when it's winter and it's dark really early, um, I don't want to stay in the same place like 14 hours straight. Yeah. I just want to like, get out and go do something, and also just see other people and stuff like that. During the summer, I see enough people as it is. Um, so working out like a quick 30 minute workout at my spot is ideal. Yeah. Um, but when it's winter time and you're just, it's dark early, I still want to see people, Squatch is yeah. fixed right now. Yeah. And for people who are listening, Squatch Gym is owned by a good friend of ours named Jason. And I'm sure that he has a couple of, right. It's almost like, it's almost like just come in, do what you need to. You got your biohacking aspect. You got your straight hit. You got your CrossFit. You got your. Crypto cafe. They have ice baths. Like I still haven't been over there. Saturdays is the I place, the time to go, right? That's that's yes. you do the ice baths or what? Saturdays, yeah, every day, every Saturday. Um, now it's great because the sauna's there, so take the sauna first, get like the inner baths. Yeah, that's badass. Get out, so that's like, and then I'll shoot some afterwards. But so do you do the how many do you, how many times do you do that? Like two, three times. Like so Actually done that at Ocean Mall, so I've done the EG 
then the ice got in the way. So I had the yep. sauna again. But I did that there because you, like, you can chill in the sauna longer there. Yep. So that's where we kind of did there. But um, Squatch, um, I just do sauna ice bath and sauna again going back up. But yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. For anyone who has not tried an ice bath before, it is an incredible sensation, right? How long do you do your ice bath for? Um, typically maybe four minutes. And theirs is like, when you say ice bath, like, it's straight ice. Yeah. It is literally ice in a uh, metal tub. And yeah. The other ice baths I've been in is like kind of a mixture of water and ice because they didn't put the yep. metal tub up. But this one is the fully squat thing. It's straight ice. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And Yeah, it does. It does. I, For people who don't know what an ice bath is, really, it's like you go in a trough, and you're sitting there in icy water up to your about, what do you go, shoulders, neck? I do. I typically leave my hands, my fingers out. I don't like that sensation, but I'll, like, put my shoulders in just to get my shoulders out to, like, my collarbone. Yeah. Um, but it ranges every single week. It's just kind of depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's times that I was like, I'm not doing this, and I kind of just force myself. And there's other times that I'm just like, fuck yeah, I'm doing this all day long. Like, yeah. How long do you do yours? Uh, the most I've gone is five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. But I remember in college, we used to have to go 15 minutes. That's just a be- long time. Yeah. yeah, but I'm sure it's not ideal. Oh, it wasn't ideal. Were you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just like injuries. Like, if you had a back injury, it's like, you're going to get in the ice. In the oh, ice I remember thing. those too. I remember that in high school, even the trainers, like, you just go hang out in the trough over there for 20 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it also depends on the temperature, though. Like, I think my so college too. ones were not as cold. That's no, true. that's true. There was nothing like this. No, yeah, it wasn't. Not as cold. And I know people that are just in shape for shit, like 10 minutes. Um, but I just don't see the point. Like, it's kind of like, once I get to 4 or 5, I'm just like, I'm numb. And also, I don't know, like, I'm just speaking from my I've seen, like, some of the benefits just, like, there, it's de- it starts to decline. It it's does, like, why even be you, you can't overdo it, actually. So there's this thing called C-band. And uh, technically, it's what you look at when you're applying a lot of cold directly to a localized area. C-band is cold, burning, achy, and numbness. That's the equivalency of a five minutes of what ice can do directly applied to a local area. So by the time it gets numb, that's where it sets in. So imagine your whole body's numb finally after the first couple minutes in an ice bath. The benefits after that is very small. Like, it's not long. Like, the longer you stay in an ice bath doesn't mean, like, you're getting healthier. Your body does a counterintuitive thing where it starts, like, freaking out because you're not getting out of this, right? Heat's kind of the same way, too. Like, you can tolerate heat for a while, but you don't do sauna for, like, two hours, right? You can do sauna for, like, 60 minutes, but you have to regulate your breathing. And so I imagine with the – like, I don't know what Wim Hof is uh, going for. That's just more of a breathing technique. But but how long are they in there for? Oh, I don't – that I don't know. I think it's just. I think a lot of those people are pushing like ten minutes. Like yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like ten minutes. But it's not like an hour or still yeah, like thirty it's minutes like or whatever. Ten to fifteen minutes. And that's like the difference. Because of the because of the health benefits, like the cold would. I mean, essentially, you get frostbite. I think. <laughs> yeah, and the benefits. Hormesis, right? Is the is the is the idea. And then the the, the benefits after five minutes, I think, is more of like a mental kind of thing. Like, oh, like you can you push get yourself. It. I could to a certain extent, but it just doesn't. It's not enjoyable. I'm like, all right, the 
the benefit of the health of me uh, that worked out really hard all week and now I'm going to go to this club for five minutes, that makes me feel good. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person that, like, after that, nothing else but making my health better. I'm with you. I'm with you. It, but it's part of your self-care routine. Yeah. Right? Like 100%. on a weekly basis, it seems like now. 100%. That's badass. So what else are you doing for self-care? should not be doing is immediately when we wake up jumping right on our phone or our laptop and stimulating ourselves in some way a stimulus and um, caffeine your phone a million different ways you can stimulate yourself I think the number one self-care thing that I do when I wake up is I wake up hydrate myself and then actually try to think like what does my body need today and that's kind of how I start Yeah, that's awesome. I love and that. hydrating is so important, right? Because you, you know, especially if you had a long night of sleep, like you haven't been drinking water this whole time. Yeah. Well, you've been detoxing all night. Yeah. Right. So the first thing you do in the morning is you should urinate because you've been detoxing your brain all night. And the deeper you go into REM sleep and del- and then delta sleep, which would be you know regenerative, the deep sleep you start detoxing your brain. It's like one of the few times throughout the day, you you're not doing anything, so your body's like, all right, I'm gonna recharge everything and so you pee first thing in the morning so you're peeing out all the toxins you need to rehydrate right i love how you said you're not stimulating yourself i uh the million dollar morning for me is getting up and doing legs on the wall first thing with breath work gratitude and then i do read i i that is almost like a, a non-negotiable now for me too and i'm not saying like the kindle or you know an ipad i'm i'm holding a book yes sir and I'm feeling the pages. I love the smell of a book. And I flip the pages at my bookmark. And it's incredible because the 10 pages does last like I've read a whole chapter. Right now I'm reading Joe Dispenza. Uh, and so, you know, next will be Gary Keller. And I've read, you know, Soil, uh, read Vibrational Medicine. I just finished Mitochondrial Health. It's cool because that serves me. 
And I think that's what you get out of the reading, too. It serves me because if you look at, like, Netflix, like, you're picking something you want to watch, right? Well, the book is the original Netflix. Like, I can pick a library of things I want to really get lost in. But it's it's always the right docu, you know, movie or, you know, documentary that's, like, what you're looking for, right? Because Netflix doesn't always have what you want. Like, I don't want that shit. I don't care about that. I don't care. I want... I want something that really is like I want to learn about that resonates. And so knowledge is power. When you read, you're empowering yourself to learn more. So you start the day off saying, like, I'm worthy enough to learn more information. I, I'm reading because I want to learn something. Yeah. I'm not reading to reread the same book I did over and over again. I'm rereading it because there was something that I didn't quite understand. I want to learn more about it. Yeah. Right? Right. The way that I found that all of them did. They could say they meditated, they could say they worked out, they could say they did these other things, but almost 99% of them said they're courageous readers. Like all of them. All, every yep. single one. So I reduced down to, okay, right now, what is the number one thing, like I'm about to enter my 20s, what is the number one habit that I can create going into my 30s so that when I'm in my 40s, I'm like light years ahead of everyone else that I'm sitting around. Yep. And it's Again, a lot of people do now focus on exercise. It's, it's becoming a trend and um, taking good care of yourself and meditating and, and all these apps that help with all these different things. But you, there's no app for reading. Like, you have to just keep the book up and start yeah. reading. And a lot of people have lost that habit. I'm with you with the smelling of the book. Like, one reason we got an office for Thrive is because we have a community bookshelf. Bring a book, take a book. So if you're here in Austin and you hear this, like, just, I have a ton of books. Like, yeah. just bring your own book and take the book. But we got it because there's so many books laying around my house. My wife was like, we got to do something. Yeah. And now we're getting, because of COVID, I've been, like, keeping a lot of books at my, I've been ordering a lot of books, reading them, and keeping them at our house. And she's like, you got to take another box over yeah. to uh, to Thrive because I've had more time to read. Yep. So I'm just reading an average, like, a book a week now uh, through COVID. And, and I have these other books that I can't, can't take over. And for anyone out there, like, I'm not the type of person that's like, you have to read a certain type of book. Like, I'm not trying to be facetious, like, um, you need to read certain types of books to become a certain type of person. Like, I don't care if you like sci-fi or business or health. Just the nature and the habit of reading is going to serve you in your life, just like you said. Yeah. yeah. I'm such an advocate for that because I've seen it transform my own life, and I'm pissed at myself because I didn't. I started in my 20s and not even earlier, and that's why I'm obsessed with educational reform because I should have been reading way earlier, but they were trying to force me to read certain books. And now, like, I've realized if I pick up a book and I don't like it, I just put it down. And then I pick up another book and I'm like, oh, and then I read this thing super fast. So my my advice is just pick a book up. And if you don't like it, don't be afraid to shut it down on tw- page 20. Yeah. Even if there's 300 pages, like, go find another book. And then yeah. until you create that habit, it's going to serve you. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't harp on like I gotta finish this book yeah. and like read all this whole thing. Yeah, me either. I used to. There was a point where I, that was like a thing. Uh, it was for Why a while. Do you think that is? I don't know because it just felt like I wasn't finishing something I started, until I just let go of that. 
from a from a reading sense because I still have that in other aspects of my life. Like if I'm gonna start this, I'm gonna finish this, kind of deal. I think I started accepting that I didn't have to finish it the moment I started becoming a better entrepreneur because I started realizing like the book essentially because it's yeah I'm reading that now actually the best entrepreneurs pick up and drop things faster than mostly every other person they they realize all right this is not for me and they they put it down the people that aren't successful try to like drudge through things that don't serve them at all yeah correct that makes sense. Well, well so it, you pivot, right? Yeah. It, it, that's kind of like we've done that all our lives. Like, it's like, well, that didn't work, but that's fine because we can just do it this way or yeah. learn from that really quick and just move on. But it's but from the reading aspect, for some, I think it was I don't know because that, I also used reading from like cover to cover as an excuse not to show up to classes. Uh, and she's like, well, I already read it already, so I don't have to go yeah. to the lesson. And I and I learn better that way, but just by reading because I can take my time and I'm not good at writing notes anyways. But if I read it all, I understand the full concept as opposed to, like, what's the notes that I need to take to learn enough? And, and so, so I, I used to just read. <laughs> I did it. I would do – this is the trick that I did if we're talking about, like, pivoting and that. Um, I would go to office hours. And then that's when you really – that's when they would really tell you. And so I'm – backstory, chopping a little bit here. But um, I'm an engineer. And they wouldn't tell you, like, what's on the exam sure. uh, when I went to school. But if you went to office hours with people – they would open up a little bit more and be like, oh, like, study this section of these, like, really thick books. So I would try to learn what actually mattered from the book rather than reading front to back. And then I just wouldn't go to class. And then I would, like, right from the beginning, if they saw me in office hours, they didn't really give a shit that I went to yeah. class. I would just be like, hey, like, I'm an athlete or this or that. Um, and I would try to figure out, like, ways to take things from the book that – and I think that also transferred over into the books that I read today is I have – I do this weird thing where – Sometimes I'll read a couple pages and I'm just like, did I even read these couple pages? Yeah. Right? But I did read them. Like, and I think that's because, again, like in the entrepreneurial world and the health world, you're looking for things that serve you right in that moment. And sometimes they don't serve you in the moment. And that's why rereading books, some of the best books that I have, I reread them every year and I take something different from yep. them. Because yeah. in my life, something is going on yep. in that matches that book right then and there. But So it'll be like I read... 20 pages, but I only took from five. But then if I reread the book a year later, I'll take from the second five pages. So that's oh, yeah. why I used to think that was powerful. Um, it's more about what you read than it is how many pages you have in the books. I agree with this. Yeah. And I you also get a, get a cadence of the author's like words, and, and at some yeah. point you're just like, oh, I can skip through this whole chapter because I know exactly. Like You can pretty much predict what he's about to say or she's about to say. Do you guys yeah. listen to Audible at all? I, I just can't. No, I don't do that. Like, I was going to mention that. I was like, I just can't do it because, like, I don't. I, it's not. The, well, when are you listening to it? Because you're not. You're driving or you're working out. You're not sitting there paying attention to your book. So, like, think about this. I like to think of, like, if I am reading fiction, which I really don't read a lot of fiction. And I also usually sit down to read with a highlighter. Yeah, but the thing is. Do you read a lot of fiction? Because if no, you I read don't. fiction, I don't like to read. Fiction. Well, see, that's the thing. I I don't read a lot of fiction. But see, either. I don't like to. Re- I also <laughs> okay. I don't like to. I also don't like to watch documentaries. I rather watch science fiction. But see, I'm opposite. Because I'm like I, I, w- I want to be stimulated. If I'm going to watch TV, then I want to see all the fucking badass things that I don't care to read about. So if you're <laughs> if you're thinking about that, then you're creating that in your mind when you are reading it, especially if you read it before the movie comes out, because then you're like, okay, what what does this look like in my head? I do this with music videos, like. Like, Gorillaz came with the album, yeah. right? So I'm thinking, like, what would the video look like in my head? What are they thinking? And so you start designing. And that's the beautiful thing about a book is you get to 
you get to create this yeah. whole universe in your mind, and then when it comes out, you're like, whoa, that's not exactly at all what I was thinking of. <laughs> and, and, and it's cool. But when you don't read fiction, that creativity gets lost because there's a, there's a different kind of creativeness that gets kind of filtered. It's more of like, imagine if you're just telling someone tools to help them think about things in a different light. There's so much misinformation and analytical information that won't happen to where if I tell you this is the meaning of life, you might not understand what I just told you. So people who pick up the book and say, yep, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't understand the meaning of life in that way. That doesn't serve me. I'm going to go over here. Whenever people read books, you all read differently. My father-in-law skips like every other line, and he can finish a book in like two hours because he doesn't read every single word. Yeah. I don't work that way. I read every word. And yeah, I skip the f- the first the first two and the last two words what of do every you do? sentence. So I've noticed when when I used to when I first got into reading, it was every single word. I read every single word. But now, like I did take a, a speed reading course on uh, online on YouTube, and then I also I was I did. Perfect. 
I can knock out as much as I can in 10 seconds because I'm going to focus on one thing for a second because I can't focus on everything else. I'm gonna, but I'm going to knock this out in 10 seconds. So I work the same way. If I, you have my attention, I'll give you all the information you need, and I'll shorten a 60-minute talk into five minutes. And if you miss things on it, I'm sorry. But that was it. That's all the effort I'm getting because i got to save my effort to do that 10 times more throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because I got into like the 2.7, I started noticing that I would read at a faster rate, but not faster meaning I would read every word. I started skipping words just yeah. as you guys were talking. Yeah. Because like the does and the ends, and I noticed I don't pick it up in my brain. I'm only reading, starting to read keywords. Yep. And I think it's because when I listen, that's what I'm listening for. I'm listening to key topics and key key things. Um, every time that someone says like, um, and whatever, I, it like shifts out of my head and I'm always it's almost like that gives you permission to tune out. Yeah, so I'm like tuning out half. I'm tuning out while I'm reading. It's so, the brain is such an amazing but, thing. But that's why they say in presentations, don't say um. Yeah. Don't like um because you're like, you lost me. It's, it's really incredible the attention span that someone will have because you think about keywords. If I'm mumbling to you and I'm like, blah, 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 cancer. You're like, whoa, say that again? I got your attention, didn't I? It, because yeah. it's not one of the words in your vocabulary on a daily basis. So when you scan, you're looking for words. You're like, oh, you're like at the, the source. You're like, what is that word? That's why most people used to read. Was they, that's how they learn vocabulary. It's like, I don't know what this word is. I'm going to look it up. Right? I don't know what that was. So like, uh, there's certain words that I'll use in my, uh, in my vocabulary like, that some people don't use anymore. I'm like, I haven't heard this word in a while. So I go back to the educational thing. Like, where would you hear some of these words? It's like, <laughs> I heard them in a, in a book. I read them in a book. And so I'm thinking, like, um, even the, well, the, the cursive language is not like, being There's taught. words that if you're listening to an audio, and if you don't understand the word, like, that, then you, you don't look it up. You don't look it up because you're just, like, going yeah, so, on. So yeah. not to knock on that, but it goes back to the whole reading thing. is because if you do have the Kindle, they have that, like, look up the word. Real quick. Even the iPhone has it. Look this up real quick. And then you go down the rabbit hole of studying about it. But that's the curiosity you have because even with a movie, you won't – you have to stop the movie. Like, wait a second. Let me look that up again real quick. Yeah. Right. I usually watch movies with captions. I'm, so this is this brings me <laughs> to topic. I, I so if I if you scroll through my Audible, it's all like general type of business stuff and general mindset and general like leadership. It's not like the heavy books. Uh, like anything that's heavy, I read, and I yeah. think innately it's because of that reason. Yeah. So if it's heavy, I read it. Um, so I'm reading The Four Hour Body right now by Tim Ferriss. Like some of the stuff's heavy. I would never listen to that because. Yeah. It's, I want to read every single word of that book and, like, learn, like, some of the words and yeah. the context it's using. But, like, the book I'm listening to now on Audible is The Culture Code. So you're just talking about building good culture within your business. Yeah. It's more storytelling. So it's, like, I don't anticipate them saying scientific words. Yeah, I could – But like you've I heard it before. I could do but a But you've heard all book. this before. Yeah. See, that's the difference. Here's what happened. You're putting white noise in the background. When you're not concentrating on one, you're trying to, because you're also trying to recatch some of those, like what are those phrases, that's or the, exactly those concepts is. that yeah. like, I've kind of forgotten about. Bingo. Because as the moment you hear a little bit, you're like, oh, that's the one, like that's yeah. what I needed. But that, it's right? a refresher because the thing is, just like in marketing, you, you've always told me is like you have to hear it a hundred times over before yeah. it yeah. sticks, right? So imagine instead of me just putting bullshit on in the background, I actually put on like binaural beats, or I put on like white noise, or I put on something. It's going to raise my vibration or my thought process. But at the same time, if I'm hearing something subliminally in the background, 
And it's more of like you're powerful. This is how you do it. And you're incredible. And you can do this. And I hear it over and over again. I much rather yeah. hear that than pop music on the goddamn radio. Because to me, I'm like, there's times now that classical, right, a symphony, because you have to build it internally to pay attention. The lyrics a lot of times don't mean a lot until you actually like, what are they really trying to say? Oh, I get what they're trying to say, but you don't hear it most of the time. You hear the beats, right, when you're hearing music. Whenever yeah. you well, I usually, like, as far as, like, how they sing and, uh, and the lyrics is the last thing I care for. And it's incredible right? because most artists then, are hate to hear this, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, exactly. But it's like, but I want you to, I want, I want to love the music to then, like, listen to what you're saying and then be like, oh, shit, that just made the, the song so much better. Right? Like, if it's, if it's, it's if it's good content. Well, what's, yeah. what's interesting, right, because I, I don't like a lot of hip-hop because I just don't connect to the lyrics, yeah. right? But, but they're also very overpowering, right? Like, like uh, Radiohead's our favorite band, right? But, like, and they have very meaningful lyrics. But I fall in love with the music first, and then I fall in love even more because, oh, it actually means something, right? But, like, a lot of hip-hop, I just can't do it because it's like I'm trying to listen to the beats, but, like, I'm already, like, turned off by the fact that it's not really saying anything. Right, and, and so then it's like it doesn't matter how good the beat is. I'm just I'm already tuned out just because I already know that it doesn't really mean anything anymore. Right? Well, and, and but but I also have a lot of trouble like understanding words. So like I always have to go back and and read lyrics. So yeah. once I fall in love with the music, it's like all right, let me look up the lyrics. I know exactly what and they're saying. Interesting. I, I like what you said there. And the interesting thing for me when I think back, it's like I'm a really positive person, but I like negative music. <laughs> like, why is that? Like so the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, yeah. Oh, like, I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, yeah, Under the Bridge is very and sad. Like, I know the lyrics. Like, I read Scar Tissue. I know Anthony Kiedis and his life. And, like, it's like, I'm a positive person, but why? Is, and, like, right now, NF is, like, one of my favorite artists. And he's a, a Christian rapper. And it, it's, like, it's not really, like, normal hip-hop. He's talking, like, it's really depressive. Yeah. But, like, 
I just let, I don't know what it is. It, like, makes me want to be more positive. It's like I, I Tom York said, right? People stop making sad sad music. Well, and, and I think that's very important. Like, so, so when it you, makes me feel something. It makes I you like feel something. That. So this is, I had this talk yesterday with a friend about music because uh, I was like, you always go back to music. Whenever I need, I don't want to check out. I want to do is I want to leave this conversation for a second, put on pause, and then go out here and just not think about what we just discussed because it might be business, it might be finance, it might be the pandemic. I come off to the side and say, I just don't want to deal with that for a second. I, want, I just want to sit there and have something that I can just get lost in and, and I get carried away with. So music always does that because what will happen is this. There's two sides that I think music. There's the beats. And yeah. the reason it, it, it meet, the, the first thing that resonates with me is beats is because it's a heartbeat synchronicity that I usually have with it because I like fast-paced music, right? If I like something that I can mm, 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 and all of a sudden <laughs> your heartbeat kind of gets with it and that's why people love dance music, right? I listen to artists that are very deep and that have accents. And so like Baldur said, I don't always pick up the word right Correct. away. I'm like, what is – because Radiohead is a thesaurus. You have to go back and like – they're not even referencing this word I've never heard of. They're referencing a time in – 17th century British, you know, land that I'm like, I never heard this story. What? And it's an old folktale. Yeah. And, you know, like, and it comes back to, you know, uh, the idea is like, well, that's a a local regional thing, dialect almost. But it's like I learned something because I had to go and look it up and it meant some childhood fairy tale. Dim. I'm like, and it's like, and now that song means so much more. But it right? took like, me eight times yeah, to correct. listen. I was like, I don't understand that what he's talking about. So when I hear it over and over again, if it means something, I go on my way to say, let me understand what they're talking about. So like, Gorillas, their last album. The reason I can't put it down is because it's a love song to the world during a time when you feel do- so disconnected from any individual. And so imagine if you wrote a love letter to someone that you missed. What would you say in that letter? Well, imagine if it was to the world. I miss the world. I miss concerts. I miss seeing my fans. I miss talking and hugging people. Imagine someone sitting at home right now. They're reading, and they're looking at what it was like in the 1900s. 1919, and then, and then when the Roaring Twenties, what was it like? I'm going to write about it. What is it like to miss my favorite person? What is it like to miss this? And when you start creating that, how do I relate this to someone who can resonate with someone and say and put a beat to and it. put a beat to it? <laughs> so imagine the thing is the creative standpoint is you're creating something out thin air that's going to make someone inspired. That's what music does. It yeah. inspires us. A book will inspire you, but it doesn't. It's not glamorous and sexy like a midriff. Or yoga pants or a thong, <laughs> right? That's just the thing. Sex yoga sells, pants are sexy. Right? So when you put an artist up there that sells that, I don't care who they are because someone like St. Vincent is sexy as hell, but she shreds on the guitar. And if you capture my attention, like, all right, what are you going to say? I have this to say. I want to tell you about voting rights. All right, cool. We'll hear about voting rights, right? <laughs> and we'll talk about it, right? But maybe it's background noise. Maybe it's not. But when it hits you hard and it makes you think about it, like, damn, let me hear that again. A lyric. Wow, like the present is a gift and I just want to be. Like Common said that the present is a gift and I just want to be. I say, wow, just be. What's it like just to be? Just to be in the morning is getting up and saying, just being is reading for me. It's having my cup of coffee outside, barefoot, walking around the grass. Maybe, you know, you don't read the paper anymore, so it's more of like, maybe I'm just going to hear the birds chirp, right? To me, that's health. To me, starting off the day that way is going to wake me up. It's going to make me feel alive. It's going to say, where am I at? I feel the air. I feel the gentle breeze against my hair. I feel the grass in between my toes. I'm connecting with the ground and the inertia 
I'm feeling the, the bugs crawling underneath my skin. The earth's heartbeat. Yeah. Right? So think about that, is that if I sink with your heartbeat and you sink with mine, most likely we hug. But if I sink with your energy, I don't need to hug you to understand the energy that you're bringing to the table. I can get healthier if you bring healthy energy my way. So then if I connect with healthy people, it's not that I'm doing an ice bath with you. <laughs> it's that you say, hey, I learned something today. I'm going to share something with you. Do you want to learn today? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to learn, CJ. What can you going to teach me today? I'm going to teach you that blah, blah, blah does this. I'm like, that's cool. I didn't know that. Where'd you learn it? I read this book. You should try it. And I'm like, wow. So then our book collection over there is Starbucks, you know, or it's Joe Dispenza. It's uh, Baron Baptiste. It's uh, Tony There's Robbins. Ben Greenfield. I mean, it's almost like the reason I want to hear – I don't read fiction is because I want to hear people's stories. How did you get through life? How do you, what do you do for health? How do you health? What does CJ Finley do to get better? And yeah. We haven't even talked about anything other than reading, <laughs> ice, <laughs> some sleep, peeing. Yeah. We, we I do want to get into systems, right, because that, I think that that's business health well, right there. Up, yeah, and before we get into that, you brought up uh, like healing the earth and like healing a lot. And for me, I think that's different for every person. I think that like Thrive on Life, like what I created was to make every heartbeat count. Like I want people to feel alive, and that starts like right when you start your day. And for me, like after I read, the thing that makes me feel alive the most, and I think it goes back to like my childhood and playing sports all the time, is sweating. Like just sweating at some capacity. So I've, uh, in the past year, I've really been diving into like what it is to set myself up for the day of success. And it was the non-negotiable was the reading. And then now it's been, unless I'm on a uh, vacation or on intentional recovery day um it's read and then meditate and then sweat and sweat can be peloton it can be run a mile it can be workout it can be whatever um but if i do those three things i feel like i can conquer the world and anybody the thing is they're all free well for the most part you gotta buy a book like you can go to the library you can rent books i'll give you a book yeah. i'll give you come yeah, over here i'll give you a book yeah, yeah. <laughs> i feel like the book books are my favorite gifts anytime like people who are like hey you should read this i was like hell yeah like that's that's awesome. Like you're trying to, you're gifting me knowledge. Like that's badass. Yeah. <laughs> one book that you got? If Mine. You give a, if you were gonna give a book out, Ooh. I have two. I I usually give out. Uh, well, lately has been the Dispenza book, uh, Supernatural, and then uh, um, Psycho Cybernetics. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, so I'm gonna yeah. give you that book. Yeah, there you go. Because you, yeah, yeah. you would know it. Oh, is, you would like, love this. It's all analytical, so it's yeah. right up your alley. But what's your books? Crossroads between should and must. And I think a lot of people in their 20s, they line themselves up over the past decade from like 14 to 24 with things they should do rather than things they must do. So the things that I should have done were what I was considering I should be doing is I need to get my engineering degree because it pays a lot. I should do that. 
I, I should go to all these events because, and I should network because it helps me get this job. Rather, what I must, what I really should have been doing is I knew I was sick. I should have been focusing, realistically, I must, my must was focusing on health. Yeah. So when I got to 25, I switched my should go to the job to get the, the money to I must focus on my health because the money will never matter if I get sick and die. Yep. Right. So it helps a lot of, and it's a, it's a painting book. Like it's literally illustrated. It's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a book for adults that's watercolor. It's really interesting. Um, but you can read it in a day. Every person I've given given it to has read it in, a, in one day. That's awesome. And I think it's like 100, 150 pages, but it profoundly changed my life because everything I look at now. Here on a Friday, like to some people, they're like, "You're at the bus. Like this is weird." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is what I must do. Like, yeah, this, getting this an IV, getting drinking yeah, some water. Yeah, not. I don't think like what should I do on Friday night anymore? Like, or what should I do on Monday? It's always what must CJ do, and then I line everything to that. So that's the book that I've given out in my 20s, and we'll see. Like my birthday's in two months. We'll see what I do. When yeah, in my 30s. Now I think the books that I'm hooked on a lot more. Just aligning the things that I think will get me to the, to the next level. So in my 20s, it was a lot of how to do marketing, how to do these types of things. But now it's more so how, to, how do you build a, uh, not an empire, but like how do you connect the dots is what I would say. Yeah, yeah. Give, give us a little background of your health story, like when you, when you were sick and doing all that and coming back around to what you do now. Yeah, so uh, my whole life, trying to say that you're anxious, that's why your gut is messed up, and, and we know it's the opposite. Um, so long story short, I have celiac disease, and I was eating, my entire childhood was Pop-Tarts for breakfast, and toaster strudels, and cereal, all the shit that, like, literally was killing me, and I wasn't gaining any weight, I wasn't even 100 pounds going into high school, and it didn't really affect me until, um, once I graduated, because I was numbing it in college, I would drink a lot, I would smoke a lot. So I would numb, and then I got into my job, and that's when I really realized, like, damn, something's really wrong, because on a Saturday or Sunday in college, you can just sleep. Like, no one's, no one's checking on you. Yep. Um, but when you get into the workforce, I would have to go to happy hours, you have to, nice. uh, to be with my boss and have a drink with him and do all the shit, all the shit I should do to, like, get a higher job, right? And I would have one or two drinks, started to get into the point where like I was afraid to travel because I was afraid 
started dating my now wife, and she had severe stomach issues growing up as well. Uh, she fixed hers, and then when she met me, she's like, you are fucked up. <laughs> with you. And it was messing with her life up. So really, we would try to, we'd be like, oh, we're going to a dinner at 8 p.m., and we would show up at 8.30, because like, I was like, I can't leave yet, like, you can't go, I gotta go to the bathroom before we go, because I was nervous and anxious that my stomach was gonna get upset. She got anxious because we're showing up late. She wanted to be on time. So I started creating conflict. I was like, all right, what can we do? We can take a step back and really look at my life. And what really put the nail in the coffin was my grandfather died, and my aunt has Crohn's and schizophrenia. She's like a, like a well, I think she's Crohn's too. We know she has Crohn's. Um, but she has some type of mental disorder. And when we were there, I saw her saw myself in her. I was like, oh my god, like, I don't take care of myself. She's been on Humira for like 20 years. She's been always helped her friends who are Crohn's. And I came back from that trip. It was November, literally four years ago, almost to the date. And I came back from the funeral, and I asked Aaron, I was just like, I didn't ask her, I told her, I was, I'm done with my job, my career, like, my, I have to go full time and help. And that's where I started my own personal training company studying nutrition, I got my nutritionist uh, license, and I joined a startup company. So my business was, I was a personal training teacher just to buy myself enough time to study as much as I could on my own health, and then I got my nutrition, uh, became a nutritionist not to serve other people, but to just understand more about food, so I could understand like what I was putting in my body, um, and that kind of spiraled into everything that I do today, which is like a lot of to set my own, to reset my baselines because all the doctors, they look at my stuff and they're like, you look healthy, you're shredded, you're great. And I'm like, no, there's something wrong. Like, what is wrong? And it's funny, because uh, you have to do the diet. Uh, the data you have on the yeah. front door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I took a spectra cell test in February, micronutrient test, and my autoimmune function is worse Everything else is like flying colors, okay. but my glutathione process was really messed up. Now, the interesting thing about this is my whole life, I thought that red meat was causing stomach issues for me. Now, red meat has glutamine in it, um, and that helps the glutathione process is what I found out. And essentially, I was avoiding red meat because I thought it was causing me to be sick, but it was the sauce and the pasta. <laughs> that caused me to oh, yeah. when I ate red meat because I only ate red meat when my mom made it and we would have uh, either meatballs or ground beef or steak and it was like there was always a carb or sauce involved mm-hmm. and it was the sauce because there was gluten in the sauce that caused issues with my stomach and now I have issues the minute that I started figuring this out and I added more red meat in and then I'm also a conscious person so like sustainability I don't like I, I know keto, paleo, whatever you are, I try to be conscious of like where I'm sourcing my foods from and stuff like that. So I was actively avoiding some different meats that I, for me though, actually make me feel a million times better yeah. just because that sole thing. So as soon as I started adding more red meat in and supplementing with glutamine, I feel a million times better. Yeah. And also supplementing with the other things that I was kind of lacking in 
just from that one recreational test. But because I solved that, that's really what started. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to die. And I didn't tell this, but my other, my dad's, that's one of my dad's sister that was playing. His other sister died at 40 of colon cancer. She got it at 37. I remember I was 10. My other, the, the kids she had were 9 and 12. I remember losing their mom. I didn't go to the funeral. And I asked at my grandfather's funeral, I asked my dad, like, hey, when did Aunt Rose die? Because I was 25 at the time. And he was like, she died at 40. And I remember thinking, holy shit, I remember 15 years ago. And it's 15 years from 25 to 40. But if I die at 40 right now, I'll hate myself. Yeah. Because I am not doing what I love to do. I'm miserable. That's kind of like what changed my whole game was I just don't want to die living the life that I'm living right now. And I kind of just went on this mission and I called Thrive Starter of I'm going to create an Instagram and I'm going to showcase me completely pivoting my life. And it's cool because if you talk to my friends from back home, I am 180 degrees different yeah. than what I used to be in a lot of different ways. And when they come after and they see like the HQ and whatever, they're just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Baldo and John are what happened to me. Like, the, guy, the people I started surrounding myself yeah. with are what happened to me. I started, just like you said, with that energy. I started hanging around the types of people that were giving me good energy rather than let's go get drunk, let's go eat out, let's go do these things that were literally killing me faster than they were killing everybody else. Yeah. Everybody else gets to like 40, 50, and then they realize, oh, shit, I need to turn. But someone with my disease, like at 25, I was like shitting blood. Something's wrong. I need to go hang out with people that don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Like they can help. It's like, how's your poop? All right, cool. I can hang out with you, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true, though. The, your, your story is similar to my story, and it's similar to probably his story and a bunch of other people. And it's cool that you're on this side of it, right? Because with Thrive, there's a limited potential there. But Thrive's a representation of you, yeah. right, and your potential as CJ. And, and just for the, the listeners, one of the best examples of CJ's systems and the way your mind works is when we were at the Liver Great Story conference last year. And you had uh, your own breakout session. And Baldo and I went up there. I think I was talking to you. And I went over there, and you had like 20, 30 people there in your breakout session. They had all these little breakout groups amongst the 30 people. And you came up with a laptop. You started talking to me. And I was like, hey, dude, it's been like 10 minutes. Like, don't you need to get back? He's like, nah, I'm not doing anything. Every, every, it's already running. Like, I haven't done anything. I just showed up here. I said, but you're running this whole thing all day long. You're like, I'm not. I got people to do that. <laughs> They're doing it themselves. They're doing it themselves. And you go, watch this. And then you showed me what they were doing. And it was these mini systems and organizations that literally were created within five minutes of instructions handed to them to create, which was a pitch for a product that has not been invented yet. And you're going to do it with three other people who you just met. And in 20 minutes, you were going to pitch this like you were pitching a Shark Tank. And all of this organized chaos was going on, and you didn't lift a finger, and it was all under your watch. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say it like that, like, you make me sound a hell of a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) I never looked at it like that because I'm I'm in my element. I'm like – and that's what got me into trouble in my life as well is, like, I thought that shit was normal. I I was not – taking a step, I had no self-awareness to, like, what my gifts were, and I thought that people just thought the way that I did, and I didn't align myself with the types of people 
that saw that as a gift. And, like, most people looked at me like I was crazy. Like, why are you spending? Like, let's just go get a shot. Like, God, that, when I was living on the East Coast, that was the life. I, I'm so, I just want to build things, and I want to I want to make things, and I want to create things and bring them to life. And I'm obsessed with helping other people do that because I'm not the builder. I'm the guy that, like, gives you the hammer to, like, go build the thing. Like, this is how you build it. This is how you build it, but I'm not going to lift a finger. Like, that's just not who I am. Um, <laughs> but it was, but that's exactly the prime example. And this, so you came in here another time. When we were talking about the organization of MSW. And you picked it up right away, which I knew you were going to. And you're like, well, here, you wrote on this window or this mirror up here. Like, this is how it should. And it was funny because we've written out that diagram hundreds of times. I've driven that, drawn it, and you drew it in like 10 seconds of just listening to us. And like, this is how it should be. And here's how that should come top to bottom. And it was incredible because when you have a mindset that way, go back to what I was saying earlier. I'll t- tell you 10,000 things in 10 seconds. It's up to you to sort them all out. Your mindset's the same way, but what's cool about it is if you have the system in place, you're supposed to find the right people to make that system work correctly. It doesn't work unless you are able to pick out the talent, and that's really hard for a lot of people, right, because picking out the talent, like to see that Baldo's able to become the incredible marketer he is, we knew it from the beginning, but then on top of it for him to resonate and want to teach fasting – and be a fasting expert was only because he basically started learning more about himself and he realized, well, why outsource? I can do it myself. But you're a CEO, right? You're running nutrition. Yeah. Your systems now don't allow you to step into that role. So eventually... It was time-wise. It's time-wise. <laughs> so then what you learned was I maximize my time. How can I be a fasting expert and run a CEO business? I have to have a system in place. Well, so, it's, a, it's a lot of little systems is what it is, right? But... So I want to get to the the uh, the idea or the concept of like the health of a business really is systems. Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah. So and to 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 go into 100% agree um, because when you think about anything from like random like how do I relate this to health? So cells, right? On a cellular level, if if your cells are great, your whole body's going to be great. Yeah. So think of a business, a business is just a bunch of cells. Like, humans are the cells in the business. If you have cancer cells in your body, even just a few, they're going to wreak havoc. It's the same way in a business. Now, systems allow you to figure out where the cancer is so that you can fix it. If you have just chaos everywhere, you can't tell where those cancer cells are. You can't. You just can't. And what a lot of businesses do is they take on more than they can handle and they don't know where the cancer is because they're just overwhelmed. They're just like, oh, this is a clusterfuck. I don't know what to do. So my job is always, like, at the Live a Great Story conference, the first thing, the reason that they could run it themselves is the first thing that they did was decide who's the CEO, who's the integrator, and who are the helpers. As soon as you allow people, and when they don't know each other, you you are, you are automatically have people that just fall in line. Because if you don't know each if you don't know anybody, and you want to be the CEO, you're going to hesitate a little bit, but at the end of the day, usually the CEO becomes the CEO. Yeah. He's like, I, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I, yeah. I have experience in it. Yeah. I run my own company. But then the people that showed up to the workshop that may, maybe haven't run their own company before and they don't really have that experience, they're like, oh, I'm the helper. So then you have the CEO and the helper, so everyone just falls in line. And when you have that, 
when you have that ability to just have people kind of fall into the seat and agree to be in that seat, one, you're already kind of like reducing your level of having cancer. And what that stems from, the most important system in the health of a business is the people system. Because at the end of the day, what, like, I have the iPhone in front of me, right? Like, this iPhone was made by Apple, correct? Apple is then, when you go a layer down, is teams, yep. organizations. And when you go a layer down from that, there's little pods of people. And then when you go down the pods, it's just individuals. So at the end of the day, the individuals, the better that you have individuals, the better the product is going to have over the course of any type of company. But how do you then dial into what makes a great individual? And this is what kills a lot of companies because when you're a startup, you need generalists. But when you start growing, you need specialized people. Now, specialized people, you're going to have assholes. You're going to have like people that just don't get along with people. But if I need an app and the guy that's sitting 12 hours a day at a computer doesn't need to talk to anybody, what a lot of people mess up with is they think that he has to be like me. It's like, no, he has to be very good at what you need him to do. Now, if you have a generalist, they have to be really good with people. So they have to be really good with everybody. And what a lot of companies mess up in the beginning is figuring out, one, they don't have core values, they don't have a mission statement, they don't have these things to delineate who they need in their company and who they don't need, and they just take on cancer from the beginning. Now, cancer can also be um, like somebody that is really good, but you just don't need them at that point. And you, because you're nice, we allow them to stay around. And a lot of companies that I interact with, they're just too nice. They won't fire people when I'm like, they're like, but yeah, they're, they're great. They're a great person. I'm like, yeah, but they're just not right for your company. You're actually hurting them by keeping them there. So the first system that we look at is um, the people system and making sure that, like, whether it's a test that you take, a communication test so you know that you're communicating with the person in the right way, a skills test, an ethics test, testing people to see how do they think, how do they interact, what, what, do they, what are they like when you're not in the room. Because if you only have somebody that is a fear-based person and I'm the CEO and they only work when I'm there, because they're afraid of me, that's not going to work for me. Like, you got to have people that are passionate and are going to work when I don't even put them. You're the one bringing me to work and saying, hey, what do you think about this idea? There's ways to test for that with a, with, with uh, analytical personality tests and stuff like that, all online. Nobody does that. Um, the second thing, these are the last the two systems I break it down into a pyramid, is you have people, you have a database, and you have a project management system. Everybody needs one. So you need to figure out, what makes what would make great people for your company, whatever that is? You need to have a database where all these people are storing everything, especially in the startup world, because everyone's storing shit on the laptop. Well, what if I spill a Slenderella chip on their laptop? Then they've lost everything that they worked on for the past year. So we need a central hub, and the reason that you really need this if you're a CEO is because you want to sell your company right now, or you want to have the ability to sell your company or to bring people into the company. So you need SOPs, standard operating procedures, and you need these things in central hub so that everybody can find it. And the last one is, how the hell do we communicate with each other? A lot of startups will do it through text. Problem with text, you can't search things. You can't go in, it's like Google. Like, I can't search through text messages. I have to scroll and it just, the communication is terrible. But if you use something like, I don't really like Slack, but if you use like a Slack or uh, a Trello or Asana or places where communication is, you, multiple people can see it yep. so that like, I can ping the entire team like, hey, watch this YouTube video. 
that's really important to X, then everybody watches it, and I can then, if I missed it because I was on vacation, I can easily see what's that thing that follows that, and I can search that. Um, so those are the three key pieces that I would break down to start anything, and I don't want to ramble, but you asked me. So yeah, no, that that's, um, I, I can attest to everything you just said right there, because that's what we do. We use Asana for communication. That we have a ton of SOPs. I've always looked at from a medical standpoint, you have to leave it to where someone else can pick it up and continue on and understand what you're doing. So anyone that comes in, core values, mission statement, they have to buy into the idea of what you're doing. And it's never fun having to get rid of someone that is not contributing the way it should be. And it's it's tough, but the systems have to be in place because the best the best CEOs I've always seen Stay out of everyone's way. Stay out, yeah. They they don't they're not authoritative. They're not tyrants. They're not dictators. The ones who are, they screw everything up. If the CEO has to do work, you didn't build a good company. That's how I, I look at it. I I agree completely. <laughs> I did such a good job building a company that I got out of the way and I hired everyone and it's just a system that's operating on so that's what I saw from you when you came over and started talking to me. Because we weren't talking anything about you know, the the breakout session. We were talking about something else completely and I was like, oh, shit, CJ, don't you got to get back? You're like, no, nah, man, just look. And it was a beautiful, well-orchestrated <laughs> system. And it's a thing of beauty. When you see assembly line, I'm one of those minds that when I see the assembly line and everything's going well, I'm like, yes, that's beautiful. It's like it's perfect. And the assembly line is like Six Sigma, right? Oh, yeah. there's the problem. There's the, there's the issue. Let's get rid of it, and then the assembly line starts again. Chills, man. My first internship was at a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical manufacturer. My senior project was I had to code an assembly line to stop. Uh, we did vials, and I basically coded the vials to fill one milliliter and two milliliters with this uh, software called Arduino. It's like an open source, um, open source coding. And I had to solder everything. I had to put it on a board. Um, so it brings up really good memories, what you said, what you just said about the assembly line, because I think going from school again. The best, I think the best entrepreneurs in the world are the people that bring this skill from the outside world where they were into a new like industry or a new thing. And for me, it was in health and wellness space and in small businesses, I have, a, I have the systems that like most small business owners, they didn't learn what I learned. And I thought that people just knew this innately knew it. And I realized this when I was doing personal training because my personal training, I would have like, here's a really simple case. I would build out client one, client two, client three, client four, client five. Like, I had client ten. I had already, before I got one client, I had all client tens. I had ten clients set up to be managed. And it, it had their invoice. It had their, their their book. It had everything that they needed as soon as they signed up. As soon as they signed up with me, I changed it from client one to nurse Doza. As soon as I got client two, Baldo. And it was already there. And then they would immediately get hit with that. The, the customer would get hit with that and be like, why did you do this so quick? And like, I would just be like, oh no, this is my this is my system. So I set up, and I would talk to other personal trainers and be like, this is how you do it, right? And they're like, no, like every time I get a new <laughs> client, it's just like I fill out the form and then I send it's it. It's just like, like I'm dreading it. Every time I get a new client, I'm dreading it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, what I did was I spent an entire Sunday and was like, I don't want to do any of this work, so I'm gonna just do the work one Once. time and then figure out how to replicate it over and over again and pay someone to replicate that. And a good case study I have today is, like, podcasts, right? Like, I have my own podcast. 
I test internally before I ever do anything externally. And internally, we got rid. We didn't get rid of my, my first podcast manager moved on to a new career path, and we had to rehire somebody. So Carla's son Jake um, came in, and we have to do SOPs. And I've known I, I know to get out of my own way now. I hired somebody to even write my SOPs. So I hired someone to come in as like a mole, check out what we're doing. Someone that's really good at writing documentation. Paid her like 800 bucks. She wrote the documentation. I have not talked to Jake. He's been doing it for three months now. I've not talked to him one time, but our emails are going out. Our headliners are going out. Everything's going out. I haven't touched it because I literally, what you said, you said you get out of the way. That is the number one problem I've noticed in startups over the course of uh, my entrepreneurial path is you'll hire somebody. That person won't work out. They'll be like, that person sucked, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, you suck. Yep. You're the problem. If the person that came in didn't work out, you hired the wrong person. You had control in that moment, which means you didn't build a good enough system to vet them. Yep. And that is the number one thing that a lot of people mess up and don't think about is me, I'm the opposite. When you build a bridge, like as an engineer when I went to school, like you don't immediately start building. That's what most people do. When you build a bridge, I have to like check under 50 yards yards underground, make sure there's no oil, make sure there's no piping. There, there's so much that goes in before I can even break ground. Yep. And then, But once we break ground, man, we're going to have that bridge done in like yeah. on, on time, right? So that's where when I'm working with the small businesses, the most difficult thing that I work, that I really do work on with them is that people aspect to get them to understand they, especially when it comes to the firing and like putting uh, systems in place that are like checks and balances, they immediately want to be authoritative and be like, well, we're going to dock this, like you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And it's like, no, if you build a good system, like the people just weed themselves out. Like what's, what's a really good example? Um, so you hire somebody and they're coming in to give IVs, yep. right? And if, if you come in before that they get here and you have videos of how to do an IV, the number one thing that you need to do is think, okay, what is the worst case? What are the worst things that could happen? And what are the things not to do? Most people do the videos of like, this is how you do a proper IV. Actually, the system works better if you say, don't do any of these things because human nature remembers the things not to do and then they're just gonna fall in line with what actually to do. Mm rather than spending the time of like, do this and whatever, that person's gonna zone out and be like, it, but if you make a video, these are the worst things you could possibly do, they're actually gonna watch that training video. Hmm. And then they're not gonna do those things because they just see it, they're like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Like, and you just <laughs> fall in line and you do that across the board for your employees. Well, it also gives yeah. you permission, right? To like, so then I can do pretty much everything else as long as I don't do this. Exactly, <laughs> and it gives them free, freedom, freedom to operate and stuff like that. But Creativity most people over, nice. over, like, overdo it with their rules and their regulations yep. rather than being like, as long as the building's not burning down, like, you're cool, bro. Like, just don't do anything that's really stupid. And here's the video with, like, just don't do any of these things and you're cool. And that's where walking on eggshells is the number one thing that every person hates. And so many companies put that in into their processes and into their systems. I love it. Because they, they don't ever, like, actually take a step back and think, like, I'm a CEO. Why did I become a CEO? Well, I hated authority. So all the people I want around me either 
I'm going to hire people that love authority, which is rare. Yeah. Or I'm gonna the, mo- the sharpest people among the sharpest people around me. They don't like authority either. Yeah. They just want to know that they're safe and they want to know what not to do. Yeah. That's well, it's funny because I've been I've been talking a lot lately about like what's been helping me make the most progress is not my to do list, but it's my not to do list, and that's helped me so much more like incredibly in the past you know, month month and a half. And it's just I don't know. It was like I've reread four hour work week. Yeah. And, and I was like, yes, I need to do that again. And I was just like, that's right. Like, And then, yes, it was just like, it's instant, right? Because like, then it's just as long as, like, look, I can do whatever I want as long as I don't do these things because I know those are the four things that always slow me down. And then I don't end up doing the things that I really want to do. But if I just avoid those, you're, you're things fall into place. <laughs> 100% right. And someone asked me today, um, what, what are, like, my life hacks? And then I told him, I rephrased it, and I was like, the easiest way to find life hacks is what aren't your life Drink less, sleep more, like, don't get a little bit of sleep, like, just figure out what aren't the life hacks, and then everything else just falls in line. So it's just, like, what mo- what stresses most people out, again, when we when we were talking ideas before the podcast, I was like, when you have more than one or two great methods to do things, it's overwhelming. But the way to get to the one or two so that makes the decision easier is, like, what do I not want in any case scenario? And a lot of, like, what I teach just comes from that personal thought of, like, what not to do, and then when you integrate that into a business, it's like, what do you not want your employees to do? Don't teach them what to do, just teach them what not to do, and then they're going to be creative and in their own lane, and everything else is just going to work itself out, but you need to have documentation and SOPs of, like, what not to do, like, what is a failure, and when we see, like, we're all, like, if you hire good people, none of us want to fail, so if you show me crystal clear what failure looks like, I'm not going to do that, and I'm just going to stay in that line. But most people spend, most companies spend hours and hours and hours building these training projects to show people exactly what to do to a T, which nobody wants, then they never get to throw their own creativity or their own flavor or their own thing. So you have to be very careful um, in kind of how you integrate those people in. And this way, again, it's just like, what do you not want to have? And that's the easiest way. Because if they start doing the not to want, it's like, I'm a higher fast, fire fast kind of guy. Yeah. I I will bet you... system vets you and if you get through those cracks and then you do one of those not to do things it's like all right you got this one chance to mess up and again you're done like that's it because the system just weeds them out and it takes kind of the emotion out of things and that's what causes a lot of pain in a lot of different companies is people just over over rationalizing over being over emotional when it comes to everything that they come in What's crazy is they're bringing them back around to gut health, right? It's like you want to figure out what are the things that don't work for you and eliminate them from your diet, and it's sometimes that easy. <laughs> well, it's really hard. To, it's hard to be constructive with yourself because if you're if you're being constructive with yourself or the business, you're having to critique it, and not everyone wants to be told you're doing it wrong. But what you want is I want to speak to someone who is telling me I'm doing it wrong. Because if I am, then you're telling me, like, all right, let's do it this way. And that's part of the system in place as well. And so CJ's always been very upfront. You've always been honest. Um, I think that that's what you want out of people. You want honesty. You want the courage to speak up and say, hey, do it this way instead. It can probably fix the problem. Because if you're doing the same thing over again, it's not working. It's like, try it this way, man. And, just, and that's all it is. It's sharing the knowledge to basically try a different approach when it comes to health. It's the same thing with you. You're just doing it from your life. Say, this is what works for me. You love health so much, you incorporate it into your business. Your your business isn't really health, but it really is because it's part <laughs> of what it means in order to function better, right? 
by default, you became involved in health because you're like, if I'm not healthy, I'm not functioning. My systems are off, right? And so that's where the overlap comes into play. But I... But in the same way, if you're stressing about all these things, stress is probably the second worst thing that can can happen to somebody after, like, sugar. Like, I would think those are the two things that are the the biggest problems in in the health in in the U.S. is sugar and stress. Yeah. Which they pretty much are correlated anyways, right? Because the cortisol rising and insulin and all that shit. But it's how you respond. I would would add something to, to the stress. It's working too hard. And what solves working too hard? Systems. So that's how I literally got into health. I was like, my systems of health were just off. Like, I'm doing way too much. I wasn't I wasn't just saying, you know what? I'm going to cut out alcohol, and I'm going to make this simple. I'm just going to keep this one food, these one or a couple foods, and just keep it super simple and see what happens. Yeah. I was trying one thing one week, and then the next thing yeah. the next. Because I was following the system, the educational system, the job system, and the, that more is more. And it's really just less is more. And when I fine-tuned back to, like, why I went to school in the first place, which is systems, like, you build systems so that we can do less work, like, literally at the end of the day. And that's why I got obsessed with it. I was like, I became a systems engineer because I don't like working. Like, I like hanging out and doing the fun things that I like to do. And that's what a lot of CEOs (laughs) fail to see is, like, why did you build a company? Like, the number one question I ask people is, like, why did you build your company? Did you build a company to do the work of all ten employees that you have? Or did you build a company with a mission so that you could hire people to do what they love and everybody can have more fun with their life? They always say number two. And I'm like, then why are you doing number one? Yep. And they're like, that's a great question. <laughs> like, But they're doing number one because we grew up in a system where if they're doing it, we think that like if they're doing it at 80%, I should just go do it at my 100%. And you get pissed off with the employee. But the... This is also where math comes involved. Even if 10 of your employees are doing it at 80%, if you try to do the work of all those people, now you're operating at 10%. But they think, the ego allows you to think, like, my 100% over his 80%, and then my 100% over his 80%. But, like, 80% but you only have 100%. You yeah, <laughs> yeah. only have one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So 80% is good enough. Like, that's the thing. But we're always taught to strive for more, and more is more, rather than, like, no, less is more. And the goal isn't to get him from 80 to 100. The goal is to get him from 80 to 80.1. 80 to 80.1 across the board. And then over a 10-year span with your business, those 80 to 80.1 start getting to, like, 90. And yeah. Over. And that, like, if you add 0.1 across the board, that is going to be exponentially greater than if you try to go do 10 of their jobs. Yeah. nobody understands it. It's just, it's just like, that's where I sit in my world. And that's the health, where the health aspect comes in. It's just like a lot of it is like okay, you're trying to do the ten jobs, at ten jobs. Like, do you feel healthy? Like mentally, physically, are you with your family? Are you doing it? Yeah. So, like the sell them what they want, give them what they need aspect. A lot of my clients, the first thing we run through is like sell them what they want. They need, and this is it has nothing to do with systems actually. It's everybody wants marketing help. Everybody, everybody wants social media help and all these things. So when I talk to people about social media and all these different things, like they're like, oh, I need that. Like I need this. Then once I get them sitting down, I'm asking them all these questions. I'm like, well, even if you did the marketing, you're going to get 10 more. If I gave you 10 clients today, could you handle them? And they're like, no, I don't have enough time. I'm like, okay, let's solve that equation first. Yeah. Because you're going to get 10 a client, right? And then basically I'm teaching them like to have a healthy business at the end of the day. And a healthy business isn't throwing food all the way into its mouth and then being indigestion. 
a healthy business is taking one bite intentionally at a time over the course of every single day, a year, ten years. No. And that's the easiest way that I kind of deduce down to uh, to all the companies that I work with. So it's interesting that you kind of mentioned you, you figured that out without me even saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I fucking love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. CJ, my man, where would everyone find you? Everyone can find me. The most active place I am is my personal IG, which is at cj.finley. Um, shoot me a DM there. I will probably respond with a video message, so be ready for that. Um, and then or go to cjfinley.com because that shows where everything everything that I'm up to. Thrive on Life, the fitness stuff that I do, all the podcasts that I'm grateful to be on and, and chat with amazing people like yourself. So, yep. yes, at CJ. That's badass, man. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. We also have a brand new online workout community called Online Workout Badasses, where we have three donation-based Zoom workout classes a week and an amazing community of people who are all working to be healthier together. Please join below in the show notes. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more about Flabs to Fitness at www.flabstofitness.com.